We've talked about the 2024 presidential race on the show a few times. And while I hope you've listened to every second, I totally get it if you haven't fully dug in on this story yet. It's still August 2023, after all. But last week, eight Republican presidential candidates gathered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for the first debate of this cycle. On the line, a chance to step out as a clear number two behind the frontrunner, former President Donald Trump. Now, he skipped out on the debate, sitting down for an interview with Tucker Carlson instead. And then... This is the inmate number for the former president of the United States. P01135809. Former president of the United States has an inmate number. In yet another surreal split-screen moment, the very next day, he turned himself in to authorities in Fulton County, Georgia, on more than a dozen charges stemming from his efforts to reverse the state's 2020 election results. By now, you may have seen the iconic mugshot. He was released on a $200,000 bond. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows it. I've never had such support. And that goes with you. But for those who were on the stage for that Fox News debate, this was a huge moment. There are less than five months until the Iowa caucuses. Voters are going to start making up their minds. So with all that in mind, we decided to go see it for ourselves. Okay, just off the plane, and we are in Milwaukee. In today's episode, one thing goes inside this major political moment. From the spin room to the moments that mattered, CNN's political team will help us understand the state of the race as it enters another gear. From CNN, this is one thing. I'm David Ryan. Before the debate even started, while the spin room at the Fiserv Forum was still fairly empty, I wanted to figure out how we should even think about debates. Because, you know, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance, but do they actually make a difference? Hey, Dana. Hi. There is no one better to ask about this than CNN's chief political correspondent, Dana Bash. You've moderated a few of these, right? What would be on your mind with all that's going on with this field right now? Well, first of all, we have this breaking news about uh, the head of the Wagner Group. And what is so interesting is that, for me, if you look at one of the big dividers inside the Republican field, it is Ukraine and the U.S. position as uh, it relates to helping Ukraine financially, helping Ukraine with military aid, and, um, and also Vladimir Putin. I mean, some of these candidates have said some tough things about Vladimir Putin, but some haven't. And so if I were in the, uh, in the prep room right now, I would be adding a new top to this uh, to this debate and scribbling in a few more questions there at the top. Uh, yeah, no, no question, and it's because it's very relevant not just to uh, the world, but it's relevant to like if one of these people become president, um, they're going to have to deal with a very real situation like what just happened, which, which is what's happening at the White House right now. No question. Mm, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask because there's like there's a lot of these debates. We're still many months from actual voting, so. How much do debates matter when it comes to actually winning the thing? Debates do matter. This is such an unusual situation because you have a very clear front runner 
and a front runner who's not attending. But they do matter when it comes to people who are just tuning in. And let's face it, a lot of people who uh, are not political junkies like you and I are, uh, have not completely focused on who the candidates are, what they stand for. And it is a chance for each of the candidates, not just to sort of take shots at the others, but to explain and present themselves uh, as, as a fulsome candidate and maybe allow people to take a second look at them or maybe a first look at them. Look, all of them know that they are kind of in a race to be the person who can be in second place. And some one of the candidates said to me earlier, um, you can't win on the first debate night, but you can definitely lose. A few hours later, we got that first look. We'll run down the moments that mattered in a minute. But before we do that, I want to quickly take you behind the scenes here to the place where the narrative around the debate starts to take shape. Okay, debate's about to wrap up. The spin room is filling up. I'm going to head in there now and see who we can talk to. Talking about the spin room. Honestly, it's a really bizarre thing to see with your own eyes. Let me paint the picture for you. It's this small open area in the media center flanked on the outside by sets for all the TV networks. And right after the debate ends, surrogates for the campaigns, and sometimes even the candidates themselves, come in to spin their performance and try to convince the assembled journalists why their candidate won the night. And it can get a little crazy in there. As we've traveled around Iowa and New Hampshire, one of the things we figured out is that we're well known, but we're not known well. Former Vice President Mike Pence drew a huge crowd when he stopped by, but not everyone was left satisfied. I know how to fight, and I was happy to bring that fight How can fight you say you're not known well when you were the Vice President for four years? Florida Congressman Matt Gates was there on behalf of former President Donald Trump, who, like I mentioned, was not even in the building. Uh, he dominated the policy discussion. He's dominating the politics. This, this race is functionally over. And it's really interesting to hear from different circuits, because if they're doing their job well, they really embody the candidate they're backing. So you get a contrast in styles, like Texas Congressman Chip Roy, who was spinning for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, Governor DeSantis uh, did not beclown himself. Um, He demonstrated uh, his ability to be presidential and that he deserves to sit behind the Resolute desk. I think some and if going in, you weren't too familiar with how entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy speaks, for example, you would get a sense from listening to his representative. He's raising money hand over fist. If you look at the Google search trends tonight, he was crushing it. Our online fundraising is killing it. But that's all spin, right? It's right there in the name. Every campaign is going to say they won the debate. But I wanted to cut through all that spin and run down the moments that actually mattered and might matter to voters come next year. That's up next. Um, you want to give me a level? Sure. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. After I extracted myself from the spin room... I managed to grab CNN Chief National Affairs Correspondent Jeff Zeleny. Okay, Jeff, so it is 11.26 after the debate. What are your first impressions? Look, I think we got a glimpse of what a post-Trump era would be in the Republican Party, and then a quick reality check. 
Uh, the reality is Donald Trump did not dominate the debate, but he still uh, firmly controls this Republican Party and certainly this presidential race. So what we saw tonight was a very acrimonious exchange, the most we've seen so far in this campaign, but some emerging people. I thought Nikki Haley had a very uh, defining showing tonight in terms of her exchanges with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and Mike Pence. You have Ron DeSantis, you've got Tim Scott, you've got Mike Pence. They all voted to raise the debt. And Donald Trump added $8 trillion to our debt. And our kids are never going to forgive us for this. And so Talking very clearly about spending that Donald Trump contributed to the... Uh, yeah, she he, said other was, Republicans did this. Right. Yeah. And she called him out by name. And then... Spenders, I think it's time for an accountant in the White House. Vice President Pence said that if Republicans want to win, they must turn the page. So I thought she probably uh, succinctly amplified a lot of the thoughts I hear from voters who are eager to win back the White House, talking about spending, conservatism. But at the end of the day, you probably have to say one of the biggest winners of the night was Donald Trump because Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was trying to solidify himself as a leading alternative. No way he did that. Yeah. Yeah. And were you surprised how much we heard from Vivek Ramaswamy and how much others were attacking him? Not really, because he's really been gaining attention in the uh, the polls, yes, but also the media and crowds and things. The consciousness. Sure. He's sort of the um, Republican flavor of the moment. We'll mm. see how long that lasts. Wait, hold yeah. on, hold I've on. I've had enough. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. The exchanges with uh, former Vice President Mike Pence and, uh, and Ramaswamy were interesting because they were generational. They were ideological. We don't have an identity crisis with that. We're not looking for a new national identity. The American people are the most faith-filled, freedom-loving, idealistic, hard-working people the world has ever known. We just need government as good as our people. Well, Mike, I think the difference But perhaps one of the most memorable exchanges was again with Nikki Haley and a Ramaswamy over Ukraine. This guy is a murderer, and you are choosing a murderer over, over a American Specifically tying in the news of the day with uh, Prigozhin and bluntly calling Putin a murderer. So the reality make America is, less safe. you have no foreign me, policy experience, and it shows. And you know what? The, the foreign policy experience that you have. Ramaswamy will do this. He will test whether exposure and attention is necessarily good. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. So at the beginning of the second hour, suddenly Trump was front and center. That's when the reality check came in. And the, the moderators asked the candidates to uh, raise their hand if they would still support him if convicted. Of course, they have to sign a pledge to support the nominee. And Asa Hutchinson, the former Arkansas governor, he did not raise his hand. Governor Christie, you were kind of late to the game there, but no, you raised your hand? No, I'm doing this. Look. Look Chris Christie did, but then sought to clarify it, seemed to me. Someone's got to stop normalizing this conduct. Okay? Now, but we should point out the rest of the candidates on stage did raise their hand, including Mike he, Pence, right, right. which was seemed to be a little surprised. We talked to him afterward and he was talking to reporters, 
danced around it a touch, but I think that that is something that he will uh, sort of have to clarify. But again, that is exhibit A of how this party is still under control of Donald Trump, and he's still in firm control of this presidential race. Right, without even being on the stage. Is there anybody you think didn't come out well in this? Look, I think first debates are rarely decisive, but this may be slightly different because these candidates are trying to catch the front runner. This election (laughs) is not about January 6th of 2021. It's about January 20th of 2025, when the next president is going to take office. I know what the Democrats would like. So I think the Florida governor uh, did not stand out in the crowd. Not only was he, he was at center stage, but he was nowhere near the center of attention. Hmm. His advisors spun that as he intentionally tried to stay out of the fray, the food fight. I'm not sure that's how voters saw it or if that was his intent. So he certainly was not a winner. Time will tell if he was a loser. And, and for Trump, is this sustainable to just not debate? We'll see. I think at some point voters will want to hear from him. Uh, I do not think that he can get away with uh, going the whole primary season without debating, nor will I'm sure, uh, I'm not sure that he wants to do that. Mm. Um, We'll see how he reacts, but he likes to be at the center of these scrums. And uh, if he was here, would he have taken command and sort of dispatched with his rivals? So I think it gives, uh, it essentially just continues the status quo of this campaign for now going into September, but that benefits Trump. Hmm. Well, we're off and running. Jeff, thank you. My pleasure. Before we go, I want to zero in on one candidate in particular, Ron DeSantis, because he has been consistently polling in second place behind Donald Trump. Now, it's a distant second, but there were still a lot of expectations for him going into the night. And I wanted to talk to someone who really understands his campaign, has eyes on him 24-7. My name's Kit Maher, and I'm a campaign embed for CNN. That's where Kit comes in. She is one of six embeds for CNN this political cycle. Embeds are basically super producers slash reporters. They follow a candidate through the race from start to finish, whenever that may be. And Kit's assignment is Ron DeSantis. So I travel on, sometimes it's on a sprinter van behind the, the PAX bus, which I'll be doing um, this weekend. And other times it's a, you're on a riser at an event the campaign's putting on, uh, but you're jumping into gaggles, you're getting video, you're writing, you're reporting. You're, you're like spending like every waking minute with the candidate. His schedule is my schedule. So my life is, is what his schedule is like. So it's a little strange. So I wake up in the start of the week and I might not know where I'm going to be on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Rarely. I kind of live my days or my weeks day by day. So did anything DeSantis say tonight or, or any way he acted surprise you at all? Maybe not surprised, but I noticed he put a little more personal touch on some of the policy that he was talking about. You notice he during the abortion question, he brought up his daughter's heartbeat. I remember one of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. What the Democrats are trying to do on this issue is wrong to allow. He would bring up the names of people. And these are stories that he might have already been telling on the trail. But you notice there's like the personal touch to the policy that he's talking about, but also 
the interesting part about this specific debate is that the man that the DeSantis campaign says that they are in the contest with wasn't there tonight. Million dollar question, do you know where you will be, what state you will be in tomorrow? Tomorrow I will be in Iowa. Monday I'll likely be in South Carolina and after that, who knows, likely a primary state. So with Milwaukee in the rear view, candidates packed up, headed back on the trail, and there's another debate scheduled for next month. One Thing is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Paolo Ortiz and me, David Rind. Matt Dempsey is our production manager. Fez Jamil is our senior producer. Greg Peppers is our supervising producer. And Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. Special thanks this week to Brian Rokas, Greg Hughes, and Dan DeZula. As always, if you like the show, let us know. You can leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We'll be back next Sunday. Talk to you then. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life, lately we have been paying attention to a very different virus, bird flu, which is caused by the H5N1 virus. If you start to hear that it's circulating in pigs, that would be a concern. That means I would go from sleeping with one eye open to one and a half eyes open. Yeah, that would make me very concerned. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts.